What is going on, my beautiful people? That was way more slow than I normally do it. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the RPD Show. We are live, you know, in the bedroom studio here, chilling out, relaxing all cool. I was not shooting some b-ball outside of the school. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're, we are... Um, this is like my first in-person interview in a long time, so I'm a I'm a little nervous. We're um, it's weird not like directly talking into a computer. This is definitely very interesting. But uh, today I'm I'm joined by a friend of mine. I'm really curious to just have this conversation with him. He, yes, he has a name. His name is Joshua Zimmerman. He um, is the founder. I, you know, he'll correct me if I'm wrong here. He's the founder of The Life Itself. Mm. I was going to say Chaga Tea, but no, you did not follow Chaga Tea. <laughs> he, he has a Chaga Tea product that is amazing. And um, I've honestly, you know, I've, I haven't known him for that long. But, you know, with, to me, building a relationship with someone and a bond, you know, you can be friends with someone instantly. And this guy's energy was just super positive and i was drawn to him immediately and we you know we, we shot the shit and it was like all right let's do this podcast down the line and so now here we are but anyways everyone welcome joshua zimmerman to the rpd show hey good to be here joshua how are you doing today man dude i'm honestly the sun shines out i feel just blast it feels like spring is blooming inside of me as it blooms outside um i'm just really happy today honestly um so yeah how are you doing today right i am great i uh just had a day of work and doing you know something that i love now it's so it's this is fun i'm that i'm with you though the vibe today has just been immacul immaculate like you know there's parts of the day where it's kind of like eh but it's like man it's warm the sun is out like all right like we'll be good but um, maybe that's just kind of like the seasonal depression kind of awaking the side of me. Like you are free. The sun is shining. <laughs> yes. Welcome. Welcome back. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I'm always, you know, even, even during the winter days though, I'm always a little, um, happier when there's sun, sunshine. So, oh, for sure. For sure. I just got back from Colorado not too long ago and it was cold there. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't. Wasn't warm. It was maybe in the in the 40s, um, but the sun was always shining, and everybody was always out doing something. You know, even in the middle of winter, and it just felt like with that sunshine vibe. Like Buffalo kind of gets a little cloudy during the winter time, and I feel like that is really what causes that kind of like depressed type of attitude. It's like, where's my sun? You know, the sun makes us feel good. Where to go? But uh, out in Colorado, everybody, even in the dead of winter, everybody was just in celebration mode, dude. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of sunshine goes a long way. Yeah, I love Colorado. It's whereabouts where you at? Is it? Yeah, I was. Uh, I flew into Denver and I actually did a couple of events out there. Um, I did what this event that I call Yoga on Shrooms. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And so basically, we drink a tea of 
cacao and chaga, chaga mushroom. Hopefully one day, and I know it's going there that psilocybin will likely be legal one day, and then we'll have a real yoga on psilocybin mushrooms. That would be a sick event. But for right now, what it is is just my chaga mushroom tea mixed with cacao. And then I lead people into a yoga practice after they've had their cacao. And it's all about essentially artistically through the poses communicating the life cycle of a mushroom. So we start in like laying down in Shavasana. For those who don't do yoga, it's basically just laying down on the ground. And we have this visualization of what's called the mycelium or the root system of the mushroom just pervading the entire earth. Just coming from your body and just going all the way through the whole earth. And everybody else in classes, root systems are pervading as well. And we're all kind of intermingling between the earth. So it's a potent visualization. And then we get born from the earth into a mushroom and then die back into the earth, back into that mycelial web again. Um, and so that's the event. And it's super dope if I don't, if I can spare my humility for a second. It is an absolutely dope event. And I sold out two events in Denver. So paid for my travel there and got to have this super blast of a time just traveling out to Boulder after that. Um, went to some uh, hot springs and uh, it was actually a moment for me, Rye, where I felt like, wow. Like I, I remember standing on the top of this mountain and looking out into the snow peaks and the trees and the beautiful sunshine like we were talking about. And I took a breath. I was like, I'm doing it. I'm fucking doing it. I'm making my dream come true. I went across the country, got paid for it, and now I'm here. Like, And it was a really powerful moment for me that opened up my mind to... There's really nothing that can keep us from doing what we want to do in this world, man. So long-winded answer. I was in Denver and Boulder. <laughs> Two great places. That's that's incredible, man, that yeah. your travel was paid for. I did not, when you were telling me earlier, I thought maybe you went for uh, just like for pleasure. Just, just I mean, because Colorado is beautiful. And from the way you described it, you know, it's, and from my personal experience, I've, like, I want to go back. Like, it's just a great place. People are very friendly. But um, that your event, that sounds incredible. I am I have limited experience with yoga, but it's something that is uh, a very powerful thing. I Every time I do it, I feel cleansed. But that that, that sounded like a good time. Um, how, how has yoga played an impact in your life because I, I didn't know that you like instructed it as well right oh yeah yeah definitely I've been an instructor great question I've been an instructor for seven years now and I it really ties into my life as one of the most essential things that have ever happened to me is become a yoga instructor because I was on the path I was in uh, I went to school for business management graduated with the degree I worked at Blue Cross Blue Shield I was on the whole corporate path and um, I just felt like something inside of me is a lot of people um, resonate with is just like that's not their path, you know, creatives and people who are free expressors, you know, like they've got this other kind of thing inside them that needs to happen, you know. And so I was kind of battling with that. And then 
I I got invited to open up a gym with uh, one of my former bosses, and he's he just goes, "Hey, Josh." You got the X factor, man. Like, I'd love to have you on board to open this gym. I was like, yeah, great. This is my out of the corporate world and into my life of entrepreneurship, you know. And I uh, I dove right in, you know. I started on that track, and then what happened was he, God bless me, had a lot on his plate, but he mismanaged the money big time. So basically was putting too much money down on the payments for the equipment and didn't have enough money to pay his employees and the other people. So I wasn't getting a paycheck for like two months. I was living on just crumbs, dude, like really getting creative on how to survive. Yeah. And so I, but it was my dream, you know, I was free and I like, I I showed up to the gym every day having good conversations and I was still loving what I was doing. But it got to a point where I was like, you know, I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's too stressful. And so I started looking at, in the process, I was also redefining my relationship to bodybuilding and powerlifting, which was really my bread and butter. That was my sauce back then. I, you know, I was competing and breaking records and like, I, th- I think I squatted 385 pounds when I was like 140 pounds. It was, wow. it was ridiculous, dude. And I remember in that moment, actually, this is all going to tie together. In that moment of getting that weight off of me, I, I got up, I squatted it clean, racked it, and, and my powerlifting coach is just slapping me on the back, like just like just yelling in my ear and slapping me on the back. And I just remember feeling like, I don't like that. Don't want him to be slapping me. And I'm like, I don't like any of this shit. Like, I don't want to keep doing it. And I just like, even if I became the strongest guy in the world, if I really achieved that dream and made it come true, which I was on the track to do, you know, I'm a, I'm a focused individual. I'll make it happen. I saw the reality of it. And I was like, not for me. I don't care. I could be the strongest man in the world and I, I wouldn't care about it. And right then, I made the choice to change my path. And the first thing that I could imagine was becoming a yoga instructor. So I got on the computer and I started looking up yoga retreats. I was just farting around. I was like, you know, if if something comes up and meanwhile, I'm poor, right? I haven't been paid in two months. (laughs) So I'm like, this is just really a dream, right? It's really a dream. So I'm looking up and like, ah, yeah, if something aligns, you know, I'll go for it. And I see this ad and it's like scholarship for yoga and it's in India. And I was like, whoa, okay, well, scholarship, I'm poor, seems to make sense. Let me see if I applied for this scholarship. And I was like, all right, well, they probably won't take me. You know, I wrote this whole letter about how I haven't been paid in two months and I'm trying to follow my dream and this and that. And to my surprise, two days later, I get an email that says, you've been accepted and you've gotten the scholarship $600 for a month-long stay in India, the certification for yoga, all the books, food three times a day, everything, $600. It's like cheaper than my rent. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, what? Okay. So I took 600 bucks. I bought the plane ticket and I called up my parents and I said, mom, dad, 
I'm changing my life. I'm going to India. I'm going to become a yoga instructor. And I know that this leaves a lot of questions. It does for me too. I don't know where I'm going to go from here, but I know that I need to do this. And so I'm going to India. And so I hopped on the plane and I went by myself to India, all by myself, foreign land, dude. There's many stories I could tell you about India, um, but we'll cap it basically at, it was the most life-changing experience that I've ever had. Solo travel to a land where everybody is connected into this spiritual practice. No matter if they're a cook or a yogi or a meditator or somebody who's sweeping the streets, everybody in the city that I was in called Rishikesh, who was up north in India, was practicing being enlightened. So if they're sweeping the streets, they're doing it with a smile for God. Like everybody was doing what they were doing for God. And I'm walking around the streets, everybody's smiling and namaste, namaste. I was in the middle of this enlightened city where there was no choice but for me to absolutely transform. So I got back and I quit the gym. I was like, hey man, I know this is a great opportunity and everything. And I know we're hitting just some tough times and we'll bounce back. But I'm, you know, regardless of all that, this is not my path anymore. My path is teaching people how to be enlightened and how to love their life. How can people love their life? And it's essentially giving it all up, finding spirituality. So how is it, you know, how is becoming yoga, becoming a yoga teacher changed my life? Well, it has, I think the only thing I can say is it has forever changed my life in this really inspiring direction. And it continues to unfold from here, which is amazing. That's, that is amazing, man. Wow. That's, I mean, you don't, you don't hear too many people, you know, that have the opportunity to go to India for a month, pay, you know, paid. Mm-hmm. And like, if I mean, you, you take that and I'm glad you took the chance. Cause I mean, it seems like it really, uh, shaped you for where you are today. I mean, shoot, dude, that's, 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 that's like, that's super powerful. Like I'm not even really sure what to say to that. Like it's like, I mean, like what an experience, like, and now you're here, you know, like, yeah, I guess it's just something to look back on, you know, um, man, like, and and you're still practicing yoga today, right? You're, are you instructing people still or do you? Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, I've got one on one clients. I do classes and really the, the biggest practice for me now, the non-negotiable, because sometimes the physical practice of yoga, I'll trade that out with a with a gym session. You know, that still is in me. I like lifting weights. But the thing that's non-negotiable for me is meditation. Like, I need to meditate at least two times a day. And even if I'm driving my car, I'll just take my consciousness, floodlight it, and start meditating. And, like, it's really the cornerstone of my life. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Just it, you release the bad chi and the good, or it, it's, just, it's just a part of you now? Like, it's just like you... It helps you out so much. It helps you get you through your day. Or Well, you were right on to it. It's like um, releasing the bad cheese is a really like great term. You know, like it's decompression. You know, we tend to throughout our day, and this will get into, I think, what we were talking about a little earlier with our emotions and like what I was expressing earlier before the podcast. Um, 
you know, we tend to take things pretty personally in our lives. And like when things happen, positive or negative. So for example, if something really positive happens, we get really excited, right? And then yeah. and sometimes that excitement can turn into too much energy and then we get anxiety. And that from a positive experience can actually turn into something that's overwhelming for us. So I find after I have a really high energy experience, I got to meditate. I got to like come back to my center, to myself, so that whatever's next, if it's another high energy experience, I'm ready to ramp up again. I'm not just spinning high right from the get-go and I lose control. And then if I'm low, you know, if somebody says a hurtful thing to me and I'm feeling like I took it personally or even if somebody, something, some situation in life, maybe you've got three bills coming up or, you know, you've got, you know, you're, you're just pissed at somebody at work or something. Like just taking a moment to like meditate for even 15 minutes. And what I mean by meditation is just sitting down and breathing, just coming back to your own physical body and your own experience and then all that stuff like decompresses and lets go and wherever you're going next in your day you can really fully be there you're not halfway in the bills you're not halfway in being pissed at somebody or halfway in whatever mental noise we end up creating in our mind you're just right there in the moment and that's how i found the ability to be happy we could call it happy but it's really content and like it's squeezing the most juice out of the experience like that's what creates happiness for me i'm a pretty intense dude as you have realized through me just booking it to india and i like the fullness of experience and so that's what meditation is for me just unlocking the fullness of experience again another very powerful uh point there (laughs) so how like for me, I don't have much experience with meditation, but I think it's something I could really benefit from. What advice would be would you give someone that's just starting out? Like just to take five minutes a day or not even that? Yeah, you know, there's there's apps out there too. I think there's like a, an app called the Great Pause or the Pause or something. And it really only is one minute. And if we can meditate it for just one minute a day. Like that's enough. And but what then we find generally is that we like that minute so much. Like of pulling home, you can even imagine just pulling home from a day of work and you just take one minute to just sit in your car. And call it meditation, call it whatever you want, but really in the beginning, you don't have to be so worried about the style or like the way you're meditating or if you're doing it right or wrong. All you got to do is just be still for a certain amount of time and if you can just be still for that minute it's life-changing it'll change your whole day but i mean i i found that i started to like my five minute meditation so much at the beginning of my meditation i'd go 10 oh okay how's 15 feel 25 feels like ooh, that's like kind of edging on my comfort zone now i could meditate for over an hour um, if I wanted to, um, if I really need to, I will. I just did yesterday because I really needed to. But you start slow and you just let it build, you know. That makes sense. Just mm-hmm. like with anything, you can't go, uh, you know, right for the moon. You got to kind of take baby steps and work it up. Um, 
I'm really floored with what you said earlier because I never thought of it like this. But you're talking about how uh, when you have a very positive experience, you get all jolted up, and then anxiety builds, and then you gotta find yourself. You know, you have to center yourself. You know, you say you say personally that you center yourself during those moments. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Just uh, you know, on a human level do you think because you might you you also touched on like being uh in touch with like your emotion and how human beings we're like as human beings we're not we because we do live like in a very filtered society where it's like look at my highlights i'm i'm crushing life but you don't see the you know people we're, we're i just feel like we're slowly becoming less expressive like you, you, something bothers you. You're just gonna go on your phone and be petty and just like scroll on Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not the like, there's no release anymore. It, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're prisoners in media. I don't know. But I, I, I want to hear your perspective because I mean, you kind of shared some really powerful stuff earlier before mm-hmm. like we got going. Yeah, uh, man. I, actually, you bring up a really good point. Is social media really is killing honest communication and it's killing. Uh, honest connection and the ability to listen and these things are so fundamental for us to have like a genuinely fulfilling and nourishing communication and human experience what the social media is doing is it gives us a platform to express a lot and then or the best thing to get likes or validation and there's no real Nobody's asking you a question afterwards or they're not like, oh, so what were you thinking at the time that that happened to you? Or, you know, like what we're doing right yeah. now. Like yeah. this is this is a conversation. But on social media, it's just a validation machine. Like so that one can feel, you know, seen and validated. All important things. But it's killing communication. And so what communication really is for me is honesty and a back and forth. And so I was talking to you earlier and I'll touch back on this because this is like my full on message right now is being honest about the way that we're actually feeling and the way that we actually are. And I think that that if people can be radically honest and it takes so much courage to pull out and talk about how you're feeling truly, say you're mad at somebody, you're angry. If you could just voice that, honestly, resolution comes so quick because we don't like as human beings to be angry, but we don't have the proper toolkit right now for resolution. Instead of voicing it and having a conversation back and forth, well, I'm angry at you, Ryan, because when you gave me this water, there was three ice cubes in it and you just didn't even know that I like four ice cubes, dude. That is so inconsiderate. You should have asked me and you'd be like, dude. I I never meant to disrespect you. I thought you wanted three ice cubes. Like, I really care about you. And I'd be like, oh, you do care about me? You really do? Oh, well, my bad. You know, boom, we're back together and anger resolved. But now in our culture, it's like, I'm angry with you. And then, but I shouldn't express it because it's like, I should just be positive towards Ryan because that's what society tells me is being positive is the right thing to do. And then I have this resentment built up that you didn't get me that fucking fourth ice cube. 
And now the whole conversation is colored with this resentment and it keeps building, dude. And then I hate you by the end. It's like, he just asked me all those questions and didn't even care about me. And like, it wasn't about that. It was about the ice cube. So anyway, silly example. But what I'm trying to say is, and I hope this isn't too long winded, but what I'm really trying to say is we need to get comfortable expressing our emotions and we really need to get comfortable creating space for them to exist. I just screamed in my car. That's why I don't really have much of a voice. And this is new for me, by the way. I'm not a seasoned practitioner, <laughs> right? But I just screamed in my car a couple of days ago because I'm, try- I'm trying. I'm just trying to like live normally in this world and feel good. And for me, the ticket now at least at this season of my life at 28 years old is like being honest about how i feel and man the fucking weight off dude the fucking weight off it feels like a whole new level of enlightenment is back in my life yeah well sorry about the ice cubes man (laughs) (laughs) yeah how dare you dude (laughs) no thank you for your apology (laughs) y'all's result (laughs) no but i get what you're saying though about uh the build-up because it's like because like not obviously not everyone is as in touch as you are and i feel like something as little as that people are petty over but it's because we don't know how to communicate. Mm. We're all, you know, we're all guilty of it to an extent. But, and then when something little happens, you know, say a couple other things build up, then when you do communicate, you're very angry and it's almost like you're just like, ah, like, what the heck? And it's like, whoa, what did I do? You know? And it's like, I feel feel like that's why romantic relationships are hard. I feel like that's why, because I don't know. I feel like, no, everyone is very, I mean, positive and very protective of like like oh like i just i, I want to be kind like i don't want to like i really respect people that are straight, straight shooters you know just like even if um it may hurt a little like if they're just like yeah man that shirt eh, it's not you it's like i mean i'm not gonna get offended by it but someone might like someone else they might be like oh, damn like, what the heck like, <laughs> damn I, I, way to make me feel bad and it's like that wasn't the intent. It, it's it's weird. I think it's just. I think the biggest key to communication though is knowing who that other person, that human is. Mm. Like, do they overreact to everything? Yes. Okay. Then you have to like find you know um, find the approach on how to approach something. Like someone who has like a temper, you know, versus someone that is ultra sensitive but that isn't as you know there's just different approaches to how you talk with each person mm-hmm. i guess that at least mm-hmm. that's why i try to look at it i'm like super into like coaching and like um i guess psychology in a sense where it's like mm-hmm. how people think or like how people react mm-hmm. and like i try to be observant but like i mean it's hard but <laughs> it's just it I mean, maybe that's why I'm, like, so fascinated with sports because, um, I don't know. I just think it's super interesting on how, like, like uh, Phil Jackson, he's, he's a legendary coach for mm-hmm. the Bulls and, like, you know, he's won numerous championships. The reason he was so successful is because he didn't treat each player as, like, he built a relationship with each player mm. and figured out what made them work and what ticked and 
all that. So it's like I kind of take inspiration from that in my daily life where it's like, you know, whether it's with my mom or my dad or whoever. It's like I kind of try to figure out who that person is or like if I really know them, kind of what, I don't know. That was kind of a ramble, but I think I just think there's some truth to that. Like you got to, mm. but I, I do agree with everything you said. It's just, it's. It's fascinating, man. Like yeah. the human experience, dude. Like it, yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. A, it's a ride. <laughs> it is. It is. I'm glad you mentioned that too, because that is true. You kind of you got to read people. You got to meet them where they are. There's a certain like certain degree of sensitivity, like you're saying to some people, where like if you were to tell them the truth outright and like say that that shirt's not for you, for leaving that example, keeping that example going, then they their whole day might be ruined and your whole relationship with that person might be ruined, right? And so there's a certain degree of sensitivity that you would have to operate with with that person. But then, for example, like, let's say your grandpa, who has been working with his hands his whole life, you can you can be like grandpa that shirt is just awful on you and just he would not even be faced you know yeah. he'd just be like he you know whatever he would say about it but he wouldn't be faced with it building off that you know the yogic there's there's yogic philosophy and um, there's what's called the eightfold path and it builds on itself when you've mastered one step you go on to the next one and you go through the eight steps until you're you know enlightened that's the idea um and the first is the ethical practice of yoga and they call it the yamas and the first yama is compassion and love like you you embody compassion and love and the second is truthfulness and those two things although they're separate they really are married together and and the dance of that really and this is like the dance that I like to play in my life is telling the truth kindly. Like the, you, marrying those two together are, it's the most potent marriage and it really opens every door for you. Cause like, if you really do need to honestly communicate something with somebody that hurt you or that for some reason made you feel negatively, if you can do that kindly, there's no bound to the depth of relationship that you can create. You resolve all your emotional baggage so quickly just by telling the truth in a kind way. Yeah. I completely agree. I think I didn't I didn't know that those were I don't know the problem. Would, would you say yogi, yogis? Yeah. Whatever. whatever. <laughs> they 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 interlock, you know, yeah. perfectly. And mm-hmm. that's I think People, you know, often people say, oh, don't sugarcoat it for me, right? But I think you have to sugarcoat it to an extent. Expect, like, uh, say if people are asking for feedback, where it's like, you don't just straight up tell them, like, oh, I, I, I don't like it. like, Because that might hurt someone's feelings. But you can say, like, hey, I liked this, this, and that. But I would change this, maybe, or do that. And that, I feel like... Every scenario is different, but <laughs> no, that's yeah. good. You're yeah. onto something here because it is true. Like, and for example, think about a time that somebody gave you feedback that was like almost impossible to take. 
it shuts you down. It shuts somebody down when you're too aggressive about telling the truth. And that's the whole idea about loving and being loving is that if you do need to tell somebody a hard truth, you keep them open by being gentle. It's like you're only telling them the truth because you love them and you care about them. It's like so like act like it like that's the whole thing act like you love him and you care about him when you tell him the truth don't it's it's not like you need to get in a jab or something and oftentimes it's it's interesting the more you pay attention you say you like psychology too the more you find or when you find people that have a hard time telling the truth compassionately and they're just like basically an asshole like about the truth they just will you know yeah they're a straight shooter but They'll hurt your feelings about it. Oftentimes, they themselves don't love themselves. They don't give themselves love and compassion and acceptance. They tell themselves the truth, but they're really hard on themselves. So they reflect that outside. They're really hard on other people. And this gets into how important it is to have compassion for yourself and love for yourself. And going back to what we talked about before the podcast started, loving my anger and having compassion for my anger, having compassion for my sadness, jealousy, rage, whatever emotion that I've got going on, just really feeling like this is a real potential of the human experience. This is something that everybody experiences on the inside. It's not just me. We're all humans. We're made of the same sauce. Like we're all like feeling the same things, you know, and to feel compassionate about that and to like just accept yourself and say, oh, yes, I have that potential inside me and I can feel that anger. Mm, Okay. It's this is part of the human experience and that's okay. It's okay that I feel that way. And then the more that we start to tell ourselves it's okay and like that's allowed to be experienced on the inside, it doesn't need to be expressed. That's a whole different thing. If you start expressing your anger all the time to other people, you might want to check yourself. You're doing harm in the world. That's not necessarily a good thing. However, stopping the emotion from flowing inside just represses the whole thing. And what ends up happening Personally, when I repress my anger and I start to tell myself that anger is not a good thing, don't be angry, Josh, and I create this whole theory or method of rejecting my anger. It's good to be happy, bad to be angry. I start to find that when I'm out in the world and I start interacting with other people that are angry, I reject them. I say, you're doing something wrong. Like you you shouldn't be angry right now, right? And then what what happens there is they never get the love that they need. So if we can love our own anger and then when we're out in the world, we see other people who are angry, it's not like, "Hey, stop that." It's like, "Oh, they must be in a lot of pain because when I'm angry, I'm in a lot of pain. Maybe I could be there for them." You know, as I wish somebody would be there for me and love me while I'm angry. And that, dude, that's just, that's why I'm so passionate about this. If we all are loving and compassionate with ourselves and the whole spectrum of the human experience, 
then when we go out in the world, there's nothing stopping us from loving people who are angry or sad. We don't try to push them away, say that's wrong. We say, I get it, me too, and I'm going to love you <laughs> no matter what you're feeling because that's what I want too. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I, 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 no, you, you opened up a door here because, I mean, I lately I've been feeling that too, in a sense, where I've been, because like, I'm, I'm extremely like hard on myself, like just because like I want to be like good at everything, but sometimes I'm not always the most patient, or even like if I don't get everything done that I want to, it's like. Then it's like, dude, you only have 24 hours. You got to sleep, you know. So, like, I'm really hard on myself. And uh, recent, like, I don't know. Recently, I had kind of this epiphany where it's like, dude, it's part of the human experience. Just all of it. Sadness, anger. Because, like, I try, like, you just brought up such a great point about positivity. And I never thought of it like that. Because, like, I always try to be positive and positive and positive. But I've actually kind of learned personally that, like, and kind of why you know what you said it just like clicked with me it's like that's not the healthiest thing to be you know mm. i mean it's great to be positive and like um be able to express that but like you have it, it's almost it's it's kind of I, I guess the way i kind of look at it it's kind of like um shoot what's the movie called it, it's like this pixar animated movie and it's about like all of crap inside out maybe it's like it's about like these little the the little yeah the, yeah yeah, yeah the, all the emotions yeah, yeah the one with the hot head yeah, and yeah. all that yeah, yeah so it's like you you need all that to be balanced and to live i mean because i feel like if you're just positive all the time it's like you don't know how to deal with other things mm -hmm. so i've just been way more accepting of like all right you're feeling sad today like fuck it like let's ride you know mm -hmm. all right let's get through this mm -hmm. what can i do to make you know or just like i'm feeling angry it's like just being more in check with my emotions just like all right what why am i angry where where could this be coming from mm -hmm. and i th i think it's just all about diving deeper if you really want to because at the end of the day you know success is happiness you know mm -hmm. you can you can have all the accolades and money and all that but if you're empty inside and you're not happy with yourself you'll be miserable for forever like you know and Booyah. so I, so i think it's just it's just super important to be in touch with all that and i'm you know i'm just glad you say that and because uh you know it i mean we we kind of i don't i don't know it's like kind of what you said about social media though it's like people are you know more open They're like yeah mental health woo, woo all this but then it's like at the same time kind of like what you said it's just like, mm, nope. Undercutting it, the yeah, truth it, of the emotion, right? Right. It, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. They're they're saying they're cheering for it, but then it's like, when all that comes up, it's like, nope. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, well, you. I think you're hitting on it. Is it's a good thing to be positive. There's definitely nothing bad about being positive. That's it's a good way to be. However, if it's not authentic 
that's where the problem comes in. Because right. it would be a good thing if we're all naturally positive, yeah. right? It's a good state for us to all be in. However, if it's not authentic and we're forcing ourselves to be positive, that creates a tremendous... And it, Your listeners and probably you and definitely me have felt the friction inside that it creates where I'm trying to be positive. Where I'm like, I feel something really shitty inside, but I'm like... About to see these people, gotta be positive, you know? And you just feel like this. there's this sandpaper against your soul the whole time because you've really got something going on. And you don't want to be positive. You, you, you got to address that shit that's going on. Um, but it, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about is authentically being positive can only be possible when we resolve that emotion that is underlying it is kind of upsetting us in some way. Um, so that's like, that's the work that comes with, you know, meditating is a real safe place to explore your emotions because you're by yourself. You can have, there's this one quote from this Zen master. I, I love it. It's like, where else can you sit? Where else can you be with murderous rage? Where else can you be with absolutely murderous rage? There's really no place in society for murderous rage, right? And yet, it's the capacity of the human experience. You know, I think at a certain point, we all get beyond the idea that we're going to kill somebody. Like, But, you know, like maybe, maybe somebody really pisses you off enough that you're like, I would fucking kill that person, you know? And so where can you, where can you express that? In the safety of meditation, you sit down... And people think that you immediately you're like Zen. You're just like, oh, I'm perfectly in bliss. I'm there. I'm enlightened. No, it's a safe space for you to work out your bullshit. Like you sit down and you can be so mad that you could explode and yet no harm is going out into the world. You're just like resolving it within yourself. Very, very like constructively. No destruction will happen if you sit down in your meditation, let's do a more um, um, like relatable example. Say you get really jealous of your girlfriend or your boyfriend for one reason or another. They were hanging out with so and so, and like you, you know what happens when they hang out with so and so. Like whatever yeah. goes through your mind, you know, and you're feeling super jealous about it. Well, it probably wouldn't be healthy to express that in all of its anger and jealousy to your partner, but it might be to express it in meditation to yourself. And what happens is you start working out all the bullshit. It's like, okay, that isn't true. My partner loves me. This part is true. Maybe this is the essential thing I need to bring up. Like, why didn't you communicate or something like that? Like, maybe that's at the very core, but you really got to brush the dust off the diamond before you can really find what's at the core that you need to like express and all the emotions kind of like fall away and then you know um yeah thanks for coming to my ted talk (laughs) (laughs) i'm happy to be here that's i I need i definitely need to start meditating and i need please hold me accountable you know just be like hey did you meditate today like no i will dude i'll shoot you a text every morning i I need i need because i think it's something that could totally benefit me you know but I feel like we could talk about that for like three hours. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I want to move on to this the next segment here. Sure, sure. The life itself. I'm so curious. You, you went to Denver through these sold out events. Yeah. You know, towards 
I'm not going to say in the middle of a pandemic, because I think we're towards the end of a pandemic, mm -hmm. but which is impressive all in itself. Um, like, what inspired you to get that going? Because I mean, I I'm so curious because like I don't know. Well, one, I want to hear more about your story, but also I'm so curious about this, the chaga mushroom and the tea, like all everything that you do with it. You know, I, I'm take the floor yeah, is yours. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> cool, man, cool. So the event was born after I got into chaga mushroom. So the event is really an extension of me loving to teach yoga and having a bunch of chaga mushrooms. The chaga really came into my life. I was living in Vermont at the time and I was experimenting with different herbs on my body, seeing how they made me feel. I always liked taking supplements, like when I was working out at the gym, right? I used to be the bodybuilder, powerlifter type, and I just liked something that gave me an edge. And now when I started doing yoga, it was almost like I was looking for the spiritual edge. Like what can give me like a cleaner state of consciousness, a more present and relaxed state of being. And so I went on the quest to find a natural way to do this. And I just started learning about herbs, dude, like books and books, textbooks, just learning herbs and like all their actions. And I came to mushrooms and I didn't know that mushrooms I thought that they were just like kind of a gross pizza topping. It was just like, <laughs> ugh, like, yeah, not for me, you know? But then the more I, I learned, it was shiitakes that opened the door for me. I was reading this book called Healing with Whole Foods. It was like all about how can we heal the body just by eating food? Hippocrates says like, let food be thy medicine, right? And medicine be thy food. So I was like, all right, this is a cool place to start. Shiitakes kill cancer cells. They target your cancer cells with something called NK, which is natural killer. They're natural killer cells. And they go in, identify intelligently which cells are causing harm to your body and fucking kill them. They just take your cancer cells out. And so I'm, I'm reading this in this book and I'm like, what? Like nobody, how, how did, how am I just learning this right now? This should be front page news. Everybody with cancer should be eating shiitake mushrooms. Why are we not talking about it? And so that was like what opened the door for me. And I'm like, I learned that there's a whole class of mushrooms, not just shiitake. But there's a whole class of mushrooms that are called medicinal mushrooms. And there's thousands of mushrooms that can help kill cancer cells. But not just that. Like... There's something called lion's mane that can help, bear with me on the science, it's remyelinate your axon sheaths in your nervous system. So what that means is it helps to speed up the communication of your nervous system, long story short, helps you to think faster, clearer, and react quicker. If you think about playing like football or baseball, boom, just like a quicker nervous system response to be able to catch the ball. That's a mushroom that helps us to do that. Corgiceps, which helps us to produce more ATP in our body, which is our mitochondria fuel source. So we eat these mushrooms and we can run longer and have more endurance. The Japanese um, Olympic team took these Corgiceps mushrooms in, I think, 1997 and shattered the records. Just shattered the <laughs> records, dude. And just eating mushrooms. And so I'm, I'm learning about all these mushrooms. For me particularly, th those were interesting, but the one that I 
the ones that I liked were Chaga, obviously, and Reishi. And these two were very good at adapting our nervous system to stress. So what that means, in short, you drink this Chaga mushroom tea, which is the extract of the Chaga in water, and you drink this tea and all of a sudden you feel like you can handle stress better. So you feel adapted to your situation no matter what's going on. So quick translation is, you know, you're sitting at this desk and say your sister comes home and just slams that door. Bam! You don't even move. You're just like, okay, I wonder what that was all about. Not like this jumpy, startled, like on edge. You're just chill. And so I felt that to be such a powerful opportunity for people in society. We're all on edge because our society is fucked. (laughs) The way we're doing this whole life thing, it got out of hand at a certain point. And we we didn't, we we fucked our systems. And so our body systems and the systems that govern our government and society. So what that means is we're all super stressed. Like everybody's so stressed. And... The one thing that I wanted for people, especially when I got back from India, this is going to tie in, for people to just let go of all the stress. And when I found chaga, it helped me to let go of my stress. It helped me to meditate easier, and it helped me to just feel at ease with my environment. I just felt so at ease. And I was like, if I could help people to feel this way, that's what I want to do. And so right then and there, I started learning how to harvest the chaga mushroom. I go up into the mountains myself. I find the mushrooms on birch trees in the mountains, harvest them with, uh, you know, just a hammer and a chisel. I'm cranking these things off, climbing trees 20 feet, balancing and getting them off the tree. And I bring them back and I brew them into tea. Big stainless steel brewers, gallons. And, um, and I bring them out to, I started doing farmer's markets. That's how it all started. It's just like, I got to find a way to get this to the people. And, you know, I don't think stores are going to pick me up yet. So I just put it in mason jars and I put up a table and said, chaga mushroom tea. You think one person knew what the fuck chaga mushroom tea was as they walked by? Probably not, right? (laughs) No. So I'm talking to everybody explaining what's going on. And I see this like like their minds being blown in front of my eyes like wait what like, yeah i know i said the same thing drink some of the tea i actually gave away a lot of the tea because i was just like just just fucking drink it just drink this and then come back and let me know what happened and like the next week people would be like i can't believe it my knee pain went away or my mood stabilized or my migraines are gone what like the array of things that this mushroom did for people just kept feeding my inspiration i'm like fuck yeah i found it you know like i'm just gonna keep sharing this and now two years later we're in four farmers markets i don't even know how many juice bars cafes and stores we're in probably like upwards of 10 or so and people and, and the biggest thing is people are they know about this now like our whole buffalo community knows about mushrooms and healing mushrooms and that was my goal it's like turn people on to this thing so that they have the tools to fight cancer get rid of their chronic inflammation 
change their mood, get them peaceful. And now they have that. And we're still expanding. We're in Rochester now, expanding into that market. But yeah, it's been a long journey um, and a lot of twists and turns on the way. But we've we're really um, hitting some stride with business now. We're, I don't I don't work another job. This pays for my life at this point. That's amazing, dude. Um, <laughs> thank that's, you. That's that's part of the dream, right? I mean, that's one step. You know, that's that's. I mean, I, I definitely am gonna have to try this. You know, I'm gonna order on your side or visit some for you yeah, yeah my bad no, dude, it's, it's all good i mean you said you were running around you know and probably slipped your mind but i'm always happy to support i oh duke this, this program is interrupted by my dog that's how authentic we keep it on um anyways yeah i mean because i did a little bit of research you know pro, you know obviously part of it and i read a little bit of it's like but it when you, I don't know when you read some and then you hear your experience and how you know it's impacted you and your life and others it's it's different I mean because I don't know I just it, that's it just it's a it seems like it's a very powerful thing and what I really admire about what you're doing is like you what you're doing it for the right reasons you're doing good you're doing it for you're doing it for good. Um, <laughs> hold on a second. Our dookie. <laughs> you got bored of us talking. <laughs> what are the chances I could pee real quick? Oh, yeah. Is that possible? Yeah. Oh, Composite. And this intermission was brought to you by water. Because we don't have a sponsor because we're not popping yet. But H2O, drink your water, folks. Or actually, no, this intermission break was uh, brought to you by The Life Itself. Thank you very much. Ch go check out uh, his brand. Mm. This is a non-paid ad, though, by the way. This is me just being trying to be creative. <laughs> I'll slip it in. This is lifeitself.com. Go ahead. Boom. Check it out. <laughs> Boom. The cosigns. So we were, uh, we were talking about... Uh, Chaga tea. So you brew the pro, you brew you pick the mushrooms and then brew them into a tea that people could drink and they feel. I got. I'm not trying to be weird about this, but like, is this type of these type of mushrooms legal, so to speak? Like they're me, they're medical. It's not like. I guess I'm just putting it out there for like the like. Say if like my aunt were to listen, or someone that doesn't know what the heck's going, you know, just right. like they're this they're, is they're the like, oh, you're making you know tea from mushroom from the mountains, and that sounds like it's like the 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 drugs, you know, the, the <laughs> so I, I would like it be yeah. clarify like so it's it's like a meta it's yeah it's perfectly yeah. legal and med medical and yeah it's right? a great question I get this so yeah. often while I'm at the markets and it's it's like oh well is it gonna make me trip that's yeah. the question you know and and. So there's four types or four classes of mushrooms. You've got your culinary, the ones that you can cook with. Um, you've got your poisonous, the ones that will kill you in an instant or slower. Um, you've got your psychedelic or psychoactive. That's the ones that will take you somewhere in your consciousness. And then the fourth one that most people don't know is medicinal. There's a whole section that are called medicinal. So totally safe to take and... Uh, yeah, so it's it's basically a whole class of mushrooms that are like non-psychoactive but produce really 
you know, positive effects for our bodies. Yeah. Okay. I, I know you said that earlier, but I wanted to clarify just because like, I don't know. I, I don't, didn't want anyone out there listening or just to be like, I don't Thinking know. they're going to trip on it well, or yeah, something. Or, yeah, yeah, or like yeah. Have, have that like uncertainty in the air because I don't know if like we fully clear. And also, you know, myself, I'm curious just because like it's like I didn't think that's what that type of you were talking about, but you never know, I guess. Yeah, the other other thing, the other question that I get a lot, like, from people on the same line is, like, does it taste like mushrooms? And no, like, the the reason, the other double reason, because I told you reishi was one that I really liked and chaga was another. The reason I went with chaga is because it tastes a lot like tree bark. I mean, like a sweet, barky, earthy flavor. It tastes nothing like mushrooms. And so I was like, okay, if... If I can get people to drink, this is the way that people are going to be able to drink mushroom tea. You know, if it tastes like a dank, mushroomy yeah. taste, like, eh, hard sell. Hard sell to get somebody <laughs> yeah. to drink mushroom juice, you know. But, like, the the awesome thing is um, this one doesn't taste like mushrooms. It, it tastes like, actually, like a coffee replacement. I, I, I kicked coffee. I was telling you I yeah. no longer drink coffee. I drink chaga in the morning. So I heat up a big thing of chaga. It's black. I, I heat up a big cup of chaga, and I drink that in the morning instead. Okay. Yeah. Does it – I mean, obviously, caffeine gets you going. But the one thing about caffeine that I don't think people realize is – again, I'm no scientist here, but this is just like kind of what I've read and theorized. Maybe Honestly, I might have heard it on Rogan, to be honest. I don't know. I, I heard it somewhere, but caffeine doesn't actually energize you. It – communicates with your brain that like you're no longer tired so Mm -hmm. i think that's the biggest misconception with caffeine like oh i need energy but in reality the caffeine is well it's technically a drug that communicates with your brain like oh you're not tired boom like you know depending on how much you take so Mm -hmm. i'm curious that say if i were to do the same thing like because i drink a lot of coffee if i were to like supplement this into my daily life you know so to speak and maybe not replace it fully with coffee but like ease coffee out of the equate like mm-hmm. are your energy levels just as oh my god are your energy <laughs> levels just as uh up there or do you feel like more balanced out because i feel like obviously as you, you know as a coffee drink you'll know sometimes you drink too much and you're just like buzz you're like whoa like fuck i'm so energetic you know what i mean just yeah. like you're just like way too juiced yeah yeah, yeah yeah what do i do with all this yeah. right you're like oh my god and then you're like you can't even focus you yeah. got so much energy right yeah i'm like i'm hella balanced dude and like my my energy is just smooth all day and like i i can tell my energy to go up or i can tell it to go down which is something that i couldn't do when i was on caffeine like i could get myself going or get myself chill and like it's at will now, which is a wild superpower. Um, but yeah, dude, like the thing about chaga is it gently thins your blood. It doesn't stimulate you or have that type of like exactly like you said, tell your brain you're not tired. You can feel like maybe you need some rest and then you can just take it easy. You know, you can just kind of like be a little bit easier on yourself, fill the reservoirs of energy back up again and then be able to go out there with full energy. Um, so it does, what I'm trying to say is it does thin your blood a little bit, which gets your energy moving 
um, it, it kind of like gets you desiring movement because as your blood moves quicker, you want to move. That's like, that's just how our bodies work. Um, but it's not going to grip you like caffeine does. Caffeine grips you and it like, you can't, it, you can't get it to let go, right? It's like once you're in that caffeine buzz, you're just like, you're on for the ride. But the great thing about drinking chaga is you're in control. If you say, for example, you came to a job that you really needed to up your energy for, say you had to move a whole bunch of parts and you, you had to fill a whole van. Yeah, you could get your energy going for that. But then when you were done, you could get in the truck, <sighs> relax. Okay, job's done. Time to take it easy. But on caffeine, you know that you're if you are ripping those parts in, you're buzzing on caffeine, you sit down in the truck, you're still like, all right, grip it and rip it. You're driving all quick down the highway and you're still losing it, right? There's not that balance there. So that by, you know, maybe 2, 2.30, you're crashed because you, you, your, your energy wasn't balanced. It was ripping too high and you needed at some point to crash and come down. That's usually when the caffeine wears off. And that's maybe when you drink another cup of coffee. And that, uh, without getting too scientific, ultimately that does a lot of damage on our adrenals. It does a lot of damage on our kidneys. And so oftentimes when people go off coffee, they need to take a couple of days off work. They need to restore. They need to heal. You know, like they need to come back to, to health because their kidneys and their adrenals have been squeezed. That's what it does along with blocking the signal in your brain, it squeezes the energy out of your adrenal glands. Like I was saying with the sponge. Think about wringing out a sponge and then never soaking it back up in water, but then the next day, wringing it more and then never soaking it back up in water and you just keep on wringing that sponge. At some point, the water's not gonna flow out anymore. So drinking the coffee is like wringing the sponge and your energy is the water. So at some point you need to stop drinking caffeine, let go, relax, and fill your sponge back up with water so that the next day you can grab that thing, squeeze it again. Otherwise you're just gonna be dry. And that's a lot of the thing that, that's a lot of where people are at in society. They drink that coffee and maybe they get a buzz for a second, they get that little kick, and then they're back, they're almost back down to being how they were before. It's because they don't eat, they don't have enough water they don't have enough of that life force even to squeeze out. The coffee's just squeezing. It's not producing energy. You get energy from eating food. And you get energy from drinking water in a lot of other ways, like breathing and things. But caffeine doesn't give you energy. It just squeezes your energy out. So we need to refuel it. And, and chaga refuels the energy. Yeah. I, I need some because I, I, <laughs> I, I rely too much on caffeine and you know sometimes when i and it's crazy too if like if take it like you said taking a couple of days off work if i don't like if i on the weekend when i wake up and i don't dude i, I feel like a useless human being almost or it's like I, <laughs> like i'm just like so drained yeah, it's yeah. like damn where's my energy and it's like oh well i've been putting this fake stuff kind of in my body essentially you're or like or like not not fake but just like lying to myself yeah your body needs rest. That's that's probably what it is, you know? And that's why, like, if you don't have the caffeine... Uh, here's the tricky thing is, like, when we don't have the caffeine because of our society and our culture and the pace, if we're feeling tired, it almost feels like it's not allowed. 
Like, oh, I can't feel tired today. I've got X, Y, Z to do. Or how would everybody think of me at work today if I showed up and I was tired? Or or like I, you know, like it's almost a no-no. You can't, (laughs) you know? But the first signal that's communicated once you don't drink that coffee is, God, I'm so tired. I just want to rest. I just want to do nothing. That's the background noise of your experience all the time. Because that's what your body is craving, is just a little bit of rest. That's how, the, I'm speaking generally for society here, is everybody, mostly everybody, needs more rest. It's really hard to get nowadays with our culture. Yeah. Well, yeah. One, well, one thing, I mean, that deteriorates your rest is alcohol consumption. Mm-hmm. Like... Um, I think I believe I heard it on Rogan. <laughs> yeah, it was a doctor saying this though. He said uh, a sleep doctor. He was saying that, like, a night of drinking, like part of the reason you're hungover is because alcohol mess- messes with your sleep cycle, like your sleep, like you don't, you're not able to fall into like the, I don't know the full term, but you're not able to hit like the the full, say mitosis of sleep. You know when you have alcohol in your system or. Mm-hmm whatever so i think we've been fed a lot of lies yes yes <laughs> i mean it's, like it's you know it, it's it, i don't know it's like i feel like you just got to dig for the truth and that, that's what's kind of frustrating just because it's like i don't know i mean maybe that's why there's so many health problems as people get older because it's like maybe maybe our generation not so much because we're so obsessed with like being better and like at least some of the people I surround myself with, but it's just like, I don't know where I'm going with this, but like the, <laughs> the, the, like the way, like I guess our parents grew up in a sense where it's like, they're telling us all this stuff, but then like it leads to health problems, well, obviously because you get old, but like, I think at least the way I think, not that I, I'm trying to de-age or like try and live forever, but I think a lot of us are obsessed with like figuring that out. Like how can I live, you know, obviously how can I live longer, but what are ways, healthy ways for me to, I guess just people are obsessed with their health because there's so much resources out there, including Mm -hmm. what you're doing, Mm -hmm. which is why it's so cool. Mm -hmm. I don't really know where that rant was going, but like (laughs) it, it, it opened a door. It's interesting because like we're talking, we're talking, um, I maintain that stress is the number one killer in the world. And like that is backed by so much science. As we when we get stressed, we start to go our body starts to degrade and it starts to die. We start dying like in in a way. When we when we're stressed, we start dying. Like our body breaks down and starts to die. And so what we got to look at what causes stress. There's so many things that cause stress in our world. One of them is diet. And we're very, we're trusting people. We're trusting human beings, which is a beautiful quality. I love that how trusting we are. And also some of the people who are at the very top of the pyramid of the world who have a lot of control don't care about our health so that's like coca-cola and you know monsanto and people who just basically want our money 
They just want us to give them their money. Or, you know what I mean? And so we trust them to give us a good product that that they have our best interest in mind because we have everybody else's best interest in mind and we're good individuals. But the greed of these people has made them so blind to treating people well that even though we trust them, they totally fuck us. And like that to me, that's why we need to be educated and have knowledge about diet and, and the right way of living. And it really is simple as being natural. It's like, that's as simple as it is. And so it's, it's unfortunate that people have taken advantage of our trust and they're stressing out our systems in many ways with our diet, with our nine to five work day. That's not everywhere. Like Scandinavia has a six hour work day and they have a six week mandatory vacation where they pay you to go on vacation. Like that's the way it is over there. So our country is stressing us out in a way that like, even though we have this inherent, I'm talking about DNA level, trusting quality to ourselves as a human being, we're being so taken advantage of. We're being overworked and fed poison on purpose just so that we can pay somebody else who's running this multi-million dollar company. And that's fucked. And like, when I realized that, I was so mad. I was like, what the fuck? Like, what? No, not me. Like, I'm not going to let that happen to me. And that was like kind of an additional catalyst for like, I got, well, I got to, I got to get on my shit. I got to open my business then. Like, I'm not going to be the pawn in these other people's games. I'm not going to be stressed out and die when I'm 50 because I'm having a heart attack from all the shitty food and all the overworking. No, I'm making my own fucking life. Like, I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And that was really like, it's part of it. I, of course I love people and I want, and that's part of the thing is like, if they're going to trust me to buy a product for me, it's going to be a fucking plus. And it's going to be something that's going to help them and heal them, not take advantage of them and their money so that I can buy something for myself. No, like that's part of the exchange. Yeah. It's going to help me f- like afford my apartment and, you know, b- b- live. That's, that's, a given if i'm running a business their money is going to help me live that's great there's an understanding there but i'm not going to take advantage of them and i think that that's like the responsibility that anybody has who's going to run a business is you can't go in looking to make money off of people it's People aren't going to give you their money if you're not well-intentioned. They see right through it. People are too smart today to do that. Yeah. They're so wise. People are so intelligent. Um, So anyway, I guess I'll get off my rant and just say I think like our grandparents didn't have the same problems because it was much simpler back then. It was just farming, farming the land. It came naturally from the earth. And then something happened where let's just say Monsanto or like a um, a great big corporation started messing with our food, and our grandparents don't know the difference. They just trust. They're like, no, this is fine. It's from the earth, but there's all these types of chemicals in our food now, and our grandparents are too old, like too old to change. But like, they just still have this inherent trust. And I think it's beautiful, but they're really being taken advantage of. And a lot of older people are suffering because of what some big corporations are doing to our food. 
I'm, and I'm really passionate about like getting people to eat organic food, a whole food diet, eliminating the processed and the chemicals out of their diet. Because really, right away, we lose excess body fat. We gain mental clarity. We we start living the way that we were meant to live. Our energy is so, so natural as we eat the things that naturally grow from the earth. But like I said, um, it takes a certain level of knowledge and understanding to get to that point and courage to change. Because I mean, Coca-Cola tastes good and we're used to drinking it. Or that Snickers bar, you know, I'm, I have that at three o'clock every day and I love the taste. And But when you realize what's in it and how it's affecting you, that's what empowers you to switch. But that's not available to most people. It's not on the news. It's not on the general media. So the general population will never make that switch. And that's sad. But we, Ryan, can be the agents of change in this world. And that's that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Man. I'm rooting for you. <laughs> Any way I can help. I mean, you coming on the show and talking, you know, about... That was such a, like, mic drop moment. <laughs> yeah, like, like, eat, eat bananas. <laughs> not even that, but, like, it was just... It was just the, if you could hear the way that sounded, just like you're like, and that's what I'm trying to do. Mm. It was almost like the ending of a movie. Just like cinematic. Like, oh, damn. <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's go. <laughs> if you ever get into um, media movie production, I'm in, dude. <laughs> I, that's, I mean, honestly, I, I'm, I'm, I'm huge into film. Like, I love movies and I don't know. Just they speak to me. Like, mm. people, people like will view them for entertainment, which I do. Like, I, but like, I see so past, like, that like which is why i love marvel and like the like the sci-fi stuff because it's like i like will see like the i get you know the layers behind the onion almost just like like oh no it's just not entertaining like they're telling this story because i don't know if that's just like unique or but no i feel you dude you're tuned into something they're telling a story for a purpose especially in those marvel movies man they communicate like spiritual concepts inside those movies it's powerful yeah when when earlier you brought up um meditate when you're talking about meditation i don't know if you see but my guy dr strange there it's my favorite superhero bro yes yes (laughs) you were talking about like the the moment of like clarity like how like you think people think when you meditate like i thought of like when the the, uh what do they call it out of body experience almost that they get that they show in that movie where it's like the cerebral form or whatever where like he's his soul left his body his body's just there and he's like floating around that's kind of like how i when you're talking about meditation i was picturing that it was like he's sitting there and then it's like you know elite but that's definitely possible yeah and if we should do it sometime <laughs> i would okay. totally guide that experience it would be a cool i think you'd love it you'd feel like dr strange dude you'd be able to get up and and with your spiritual body i hope this isn't going too uh woo woo for your <laughs> for your audience but yeah we could we could practice that anytime you could leave your body and go where the hell, wherever the hell you want Damn. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well 
that's so dope that you like Doctor Strange. I love Doctor yeah, Strange. Yeah, he's my favorite. Dude. I, uh, <laughs> I guess it's a good, you know, I mean, you end, you know, talking about Chaga and, you know, the life itself, you ended it with the perfect mic drop. So it's like, I think, I guess this is the closing thoughts part of the show where just like, any inspirational message or even if it's just like hey check out my website follow me on ig whatever whatever you want to say yeah. and end the show with it's you know you're my guest it's in your cards and that's oh. what we'll roll with rock and roll yeah. okay well yeah so final message to anybody who's listening is you can do anything you want you need to start operating with that understanding as your foundation. You can do anything you want, and you will be able to get anything you want in this world. And so once you operate with that foundation, you need to ask yourself, what do you want to do? What matters most for you? And when you get really clear on what matters most for you, drive 100 miles per hour towards that. Do not slow down because life is short and you do have an opportunity to make an impact in this world. So get really clear on what you really want to do. Take however long it takes and go right for that and you will see success. There's no doubt about it. Just don't give up. Keep going. And uh, if you ever want to talk to me about anything, the Instagram page is a great place to DM at This Is Life Itself. Um, you could DM on Instagram, give us a follow. We've got inspiring stuff going. And um, yeah, just know that there's somebody who's genuinely rooting for you and the thing that you're most passionate about. Boom. You heard it there first, folks. Go check out The Life Itself. Shoot him a DM if you enjoyed this episode. Let them know what you thought. Whether it was yay, nay, or you guys talked about too much random shit, whatever. <laughs> you know, all feedback is welcome over here. Yes. Um, yeah uh josh thanks so much man for coming on the show and i can't wait to do this again one day oh my pleasure rye i'll be here as soon as you invite me again let's go <laughs> <laughs>